0: Morning, Paul. Come back into the office. It is so good to see you again, my little friend. How have you been? You've been away on holidays. I hope it all went well.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, But uh, I've I've come back into the real world hard, and you know, there's oh. so much stuff I'm doing. I'm just flat out, and it's it's a oh. drag. I'm really worn out.
0: Oh well, yeah. Okay, okay. You need to maybe prioritise some things, my friend. You know, try and simplify it where you can. You you know. Oh. Okay, look, take care of the things that, you know, you, you need to take care of, obviously. You're a know, responsible adult. But you should also work through some of the stuff you need to do and then get to the stuff you really want to do. You know, balance, my
1: friend, balance. Oh, that's great advice. Excellent advice. I'm just going to finish reading Amazon's Attack and then I'll do as you say. DC OCD, the DC Events Podcast, where we're looking at every single DC event from Crisis on Infinite Earths all the way up to, we're not sure where we're going to get to, but we are going in order, and today we have come to uh, 2007 Amazon's Attack, which was a uh, six-issue miniseries with a few tie-ins from Supergirl and Teen Titans and Catwoman of all things. And uh, yeah, this one's written by Will Pfeiffer with art by Pete Woods and lettered by Travis Lanham, Rob Lee, uh, colours by Brad Anderson and edited by Matt Idelson. And, yeah, yeah, it's that's what it is. Um, how are you, Mike? I'm joined by Mike today. Hi, Mike.
0: <laughs> hi, Paul. Hi, <laughs> hi, listeners. Thanks for joining us. You poor, poor souls. <laughs> There's a lot
1: of commiserations going around for this one. Anyway.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. yes.
1: So um you you read Amazon's Attack Mike? What, yeah, was it a first time read for you?
0: It was not unfortunately. Ah. Uh, and I realized that I must have blacked a lot of it out <laughs> after the first read. Uh um yeah, so to briefly go over the plot, uh, Queen Hippolyta has returned from the dead, and on the advice of one of the Amazon's long-time enemies, Circe the Sorceress, uh, Hippolyta leads the forces of Themyscira in an attack on man's world in order to rescue her daughter, Diana, a.k.a. Wonder Woman. However, it all turns out to be a ruse in order to bring about the destruction of the Amazon's home, and multiple schemes and attacks are eventually revealed to be the work of a surprise, unexpected villain. Paul? Mm. Oh my. Yeah. No, it's... it's,
1: it's, I was going to say fun stuff, but that's a lie. It's (laughs) a... It is a thing,
0: and it is not a good thing.
1: Yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. Anyway, so you've encapsulated the plot very briefly. Um, yeah, the surprise guest, uh, I'm just going to say it out right now, there's no reason for that person to be there. It's never telegraphed. If you do not know your DC comics, you'll go, who the hell is that? Uh, when it's revealed on mm. literally the last page, uh, which yes. basically robs this story of an ending completely. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's some... Some lots of things are raised and none of them are resolved in this story, um, and I don't think they get resolved in Final Crisis, and um, yeah, I think they only get resolved by continuity shifting and everyone pretending this never happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but what, yeah, what were the big deals for you? Was it was there a moment that you went, "Oh my goodness, that was cool"?
0: Um, there was not, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> I I. I, I I tried to find some I, for the most part the the art is the best thing about this and even a lot of that is kind of it, it it's it does a competent job um I think the the big deal for me is that it it's almost like the creative team on this had no idea of how an amazon in dc in the dc universe acts or behaves I mean they're all kind of meant to be Yes, you know, um, honourable warrior women like like Diana is, but they're also meant to be smart and you know compassionate and um, you know fight a good fight. Whereas in this, uh, a man and his son get killed in the first two pages purely because they are males. Mm. Um, it's it's just it's just it's one long dumb big fight scene that goes for six issues in the main story. Uh, And it never seems to give up. And a lot of the characters just seem really dumb in this. Uh, Like um, Supergirl and and Wonder Girl just seem to completely blunder trying to get the president of America to listen to them. And all that goes to hell in a handbasket. And when Air Force One crashes down, you kind of think, oh, okay, Superman's here. Maybe he's going to try and broker a, a truce between... The, the Amazons on their flying horses and these American soldiers that have just turned up. Oh, no, the soldiers that are just going to gun down the Amazons just yep. because. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's such a, the big deal for me is that how dumb this story is. It really is. And as you said, the, literally the final page is the least satisfying conclusion to a story that I can recall reading in recent times. Mm. It's It's really not that good. It's really not.
1: Hippolyta, or Hippolyta, depending on how you like to say it. That could Either be a, way, yeah. Could be a more interesting discussion at this point. Uh, <laughs> she she is bloodthirsty and psychotic in this, and she's been yes. brought back from the dead by Cersei, the evil sorcerer Cersei. Um, mm-hmm. And in this case, uh, due to what was happening in the Wonder Woman book, Diana has been imprisoned for for some reason, and because of that she is like on a psychotic rampage against uh, humanity. Um, and it all goes to Washington which is really good because I was just recently in Washington in the last few weeks so I have been to all these places where all these battles <laughs> took place um, so it was, right it was kind of fun to see the you know the Lincoln Memorial and uh, Washington Monument and then um, they end up at the aerospace Museum and actually uh, that plane I know that plane that gets lobbed out that's the Enola gay wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> so yeah that was that was I enjoyed that aspect yeah um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, there is no uh, consequences for any of this. Like, no. you would think at the end of the story there would be some sort of resolution between Diana and her mother. There isn't. Um, no. It leads straight into Final Crisis, which doesn't have room for that um, to happen because Grant Morrison never intended all this pre-stuff to be part of his story. I mean, the loosest uh, part of Final Crisis, you can say, is that the, the new gods, um, the evil ones, are sort of on the rise in uh, the world of men. And the grain of this story that they took and they had this whole you know ongoing battle just to reveal at the era, at the very end that Granny Goodness is the villain behind it all who is mm. you know uh, one of Darkseid's lackeys and yeah why and how and <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah, yep. it would make a lot more sense if she was imitating Hippolyta uh, or Hippolyta. Yeah, yeah, but she's imitating Athena, uh, mm. the god. Yeah. And it's like, well, how does that cause all this to happen? I don't know. And Cersei is, you know, she's on a rampage too. We don't know why. I mean, I the one bit that I thought that really surprised me when was Cersei got stabbed through the um, the back by uh, Hippolyta or Hippolyta, depending on how you like to say it. Um, <laughs> And I didn't see that coming. That was a great moment. I thought, oh, wow, wow, she's dead. And I was like, no, she's not dead. (laughs) She's back again later, going, ha, ha, ha. You know, nothing matters. Nothing, you know, nothing makes sense, as they say.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Now, speaking of of that scene, in which issue did that happen in, Paul?
1: Um, I couldn't tell you. I read the Wonder Woman issues. It's probably happening in one of them. Is that
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Because... I have the collected trade paperback of Amazon's attack, which has nothing but the six issues of, of that miniseries in there. So there is a lot of vital information missing <laughs> from the trade. So one minute you see Cersei, you know, prancing around being evil. ha ha An issue or two later, someone says, oh, Cersei's dead. But then she reappears the next issue. And you're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I have never felt more punished for not having every single issue in a crossover than I have with this storyline. Oh. It's it's just so frustrating that, uh, and even more frustrating is at the start of each chapter in the trade, there's there's a page with a text recap of what has gone on between the chapter you just read and the one you're about to read. But the thing is, as the story goes along, each of those recaps gets shorter and shorter. So by the time you get to the recap at the start of chapter six, it is literally five words which is completely unhelpful. <laughs> it's like, we couldn't be bothered to put in any of the tie-in information from Wonder Woman, or, yeah, as you said, Catwoman, bizarrely, you know, or, or Teen Titans or Supergirl. Couldn't be bothered with that. We're not even really going to bother to do a good job with it in the shoddily put-together trade.
1: Oh, dear. I mean, the Wonder Woman issues would be very helpful to include. but you think? <laughs> Yeah, but they are very overwritten. I mean, you could... Call them um, self doubt, the inner monologues of Wonder Woman. You know? oh, God. Yeah, there's so Ouch. much um, you know, questioning herself and wondering about who she is and what's her role. And you know, this is literally after we've had a series in the series called Who Is Wonder Woman. So, oh, yeah, yeah, that's still unresolved at this point. Um, yeah, so can we talk about bees? <laughs>
0: Yeah again i th- i think that gets mentioned once in the <laughs> mini series but yes. we don't actually get to see anything all we know is that nemesis is being poisoned by a bee yeah and that's it. that's all we know if you've not read the the tie in issues yeah. so please Paul, tell me all about the bees <laughs> Well, I mean, it's exciting for me to see Tom
1: Tresser in, uh, you know, in a featured role, because I remember him fondly from The Suicide Squad, but he's an absolute dickhead in this comic, and um, particularly in Wonder Woman, he has some of the worst dialogue about things going on. So, yeah, at one stage, he is imitating uh, an Amazon, or Hippolyta, Hippolyta, depending on how you like to say that, and Mm -hmm. um, he gets hold of the Amazonian secret weapon that they are trying to unleash, um, and he gets hold of it and takes it away from them and then opens it for no reason at all and it's uh, filled with stygian hornets or wasps or something which are giant giant bees basically and he gets stung yes. multiple times by these and there's all this talk about how incredibly lethal they are except for him because he's been stung multiple times and then Diana has to go off on a mission in the middle of the comic that you never really see properly in all the books that you get um, mm. to get mm. To uh, get the cure and bring it back and save him, um, all of which is you know at one point she literally says you know there's more important things than the life of one man, and then she goes and does it anyway it's, it's really bizarre um, <laughs> yeah, but batman's i mean it's like this this is their secret super weapon you're expecting some sort of massive you know virus or thing that goes through the sky and lights everything up and it's mm-hmm. it's um big bees <laughs> Oh, my God, bees.
2: Right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Batman says, my God, bees, as though, you know, this is something he just has never seen and experienced and he can't imagine. And it's, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. hmm. Well, you know, he's a creature of the night. I don't think bees are really out at nighttime. Yeah. 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 yeah, uh, Another thing that really annoyed me, and it's it's kind of a small thing, but it's kind of enough to annoy me still. Uh, There's a continuity error between issues three and four of the miniseries. In issue three, Hippolyta, or Hippolyta, however you like to say it, um, she gives the ultimatum of complete and unconditional surrender with one day for the government to decide what they're going to do. The very next issue, that deadline instead becomes you have one week to decide. I'm like, well, which is it? <laughs> How can you muck that up with you know in the space of an, an issue? It's like, oh, God. it's. Uh... But again, as you said things are of such little consequence in this, it's never really expanded upon, or you don't really see anyone freaking out, oh, we've only got one day, I mean, one week to decide what we're going to do. It's like, oh, it's such a dumb,
1: frustrating story. And there's there's also this government machination where the government decides to suddenly, we're going to bring in draconian laws and throw people in jail suddenly. And (sighs) do you know why that's in the story? No, no. It's there because that's how... Um, Cassie, the Wonder Girl, she gets involved because her mum gets arrested. Right. So she's trying to stop it and her solution is to go see Hippolyta or Hippolyta or Hippolyta, depending on how you want to say it, and mm-hmm. say, you know, how can I resolve this? And, and Hippolyta says to them, go and get the president and we can have a sit down and sort it all out. So she and Supergirl very very... Um, Moronically and naively go off to get the president, um, and their their way of doing that is sort of floating in front of Air Force One's mm. cockpit and saying, "Come on, land," and um, yeah, yeah, which is so. Well,
0: dumb. That, that now that I know that Cassie's mother was involved in that manner, um, it, it enlightens the story for me a little bit more because. It was just like, hey, we're going to go talk to the president. It's like, hang on, why? I just... Ugh. Again, I was punished for not having every single issue. Well, and just yeah. the truck.
1: I don't know. Well, you're kind of punished if you do read them. Anyway.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Mm. Anyway, mm. um. so as far as an event goes, this is a occupier of the worst kind, it um, just gives a few titles something to do and that something isn't very interesting. Um, It didn't launch anything because it's not it shouldn't be an event. I mean I should explain myself why are we covering this if it's you know it's part of the countdown to Final Crisis. I think we're covering it because it 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 is discreet it has its own series and it has its own tie-ins. And, mm-hmm. you know, in some cases, you've got to talk about this stuff. You've got to warn people. You've got to let people know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Nah. Um, You're yeah. welcome,
2: everyone. You're welcome.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, shall we get into the scoring after this promo?
0: Oh, If we must. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
3: You are receiving Please. a transmission from The Rod Pod. Upload pending.
4: Stand by for soundtrack transfer.
3: I am Maggie.
4: And I am John.
3: And we are trapped, hurtling through space in a ship shaped like Rodimus's head.
4: The ship, for reasons we haven't been able to determine, contains the entire run of the IDW Transformers Phase 2 comic. Which chronicle the events following the end of the war between the Autobots and Decepticons so we figure we may as well read them all in order and report our findings to you. Stand by. Stand by.
3: Upload complete now.
4: The Rod Pod. Look for us at marriedwcomics.libson.com. At iTunes, at Stitcher, or wherever good podcasts can be found.
3: So, uh, till all are one.
4: Till all are one.
3: All
1: right, now it's the time where we score this uh, event. And uh, we do this by giving it a points out of 10 in four categories. Mike and I do that. Uh, we have uh, semi-OCD people who come on and they give us their points out of 10, but then we halve them. And I've got four different people contributing for it today, or five technically. So um, wow. we'll do our um, bits and then we'll we'll throw to them. So for the eventiness, Mike, where do you fall on the eventiness?
0: I am going to give this event a 1 out of 10, uh, purely because it's an event that happened, but it is not a good event by the eventiness scale, really. Uh, I, I feel like if you ever wanted an example of a time DC had no idea what to do, let alone do well with Diana and her corner of the DCU, this is it. Characters are behaving out of character, Batman is standing on a rooftop complaining about how bad things are getting for most of it. The conclusion with Granny goodness on the very last page is completely unsatisfying and annoying it's just like they had no they have no idea what to do with these people other than have them fighting for no real good reason um, it it's yeah i'm giving it one yeah how about you paul
1: <laughs> i'm going to be a bit more generous i'm going to give it four. Um... Whoa. Just because you get a you get a little snapshot of the DC universe as it was at this time, so you see the Justice League and they got people like Red Tornado running around and yeah, yeah maybe I'm being overly generous but you know.
0: <laughs> maybe.
1: <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs>
1: yeah uh, so yeah for just because it, it it did have the Justice League and it had it had a bit of continuity with what was happening. at the, uh, it sounds really weak now. Anyway, full right. <laughs> But, I mean, uh, let's go listen to Michael Staley from the Silent Night Cassandra Kane podcast to hear what he says about uh, the eventiness.
5: Hello, everyone. Mike Staley here, and I'm taking a look at the eventiness of Amazon's attack. Now, at first glance, this actually seems like one element of the story that is done well, because an event needs to feel important, have high stakes, and bring in a lot of characters to just make it feel more epic. And it kind of seems like this story does. But unfortunately, a lot of the execution of these things is not done well. It seems like a lot of things that happen and a lot of characters that are included are there just to be there, not because it makes for a good event comic. Just a quick little example. Wonder Woman's talking to Hippolyta, trying to talk her down. All of a sudden, Superman flies in. He could try to stop Hippolyta. Tie her up, knock her out, anything like that. Instead, he picks up Wonder Woman like a damsel in distress and just carries her off, saying, No, Diana! I understand that Superman is extremely powerful and more times than not, could probably solve the problem very quickly. But that does not give you an excuse to incorporate him into an event and make him stupid and worthless. If you want him there, which, you know, is completely understandable, he's one of DC's top guys, you have to have him in a DC-wide event, you need to put in the effort to give a legitimate reason why he can't solve the problem instantly and they really don't do a good job at that. I admit I'm kind of getting a little bit into writing here, which I apologize, I know that's actually somebody else's part of this, but the point I'm making is there are so many characters that are in this story just to be there but don't seem to have any real purpose or use. Likewise, there are a lot of things that happen in this story that seem to happen just because... This is what happens in an event comic. We need to do this for it to feel like an epic event. It really just felt like the effort was not there. And for that reason, I give the eventiness of Amazon's Attack a four. I want to thank Paul for including me in this project. And as you continue on in the story, Godspeed, my friend. Oh, thanks, Michael. Okay,
1: yeah. So, yeah, um, not another strong vote for that. But anyway, um, yeah, writing. Writing. Well, I think... I'm giving it a six just because I think it's not badly written. I mean, there's nothing extraordinarily wrong with the writing. It, It does does it effectively I I tend to think all the problems with this were editorial and there was a lot of mandating and saying let's do this and you have to have this and this is the plot and everything and uh, I feel like Will Pfeiffer's just doing the best with what he's got Um, but yeah it's it's no one's you know it's well I think it's better than Countdown to Final Crisis but uh, (laughs) yeah wow but I'd put this down the bottom of your resume rather than at the top
0: (laughs) yeah Fair
1: call. Fair. <laughs> yeah, what about you, Mike?
0: I'm going to give it, uh, out of 10, I'm going to give it uh, a half score of five, considering it's a half-assed job. Um, I think this story is awful. Uh, the characters just come across as dumb thugs with nothing better to do than fight each other. I mean, Diana and Hippolyta, or Hippolyta, or hippolyta Lyra, however you want to say it, uh, they meet at the end of the very first issue of the miniseries, and yet the story continues on. Uh, because Hippolyta is so bloodthirsty. Um, and so the story is bizarre, confusing, and I really feel it's nothing more than kind of pointless setup for the next big event, which is Final Crisis. And there just seem to be so many bizarre, pointless plot points that go nowhere, like every man masquerading as Sergeant Steel. Uh, okay. Nemesis got poisoned by the bees. Uh, okay. Um, it's... it. Yeah, I, I just... I think five, I'm being generous. Wow. Okay. Mm.
1: All right, well, let's have a listen to what Michael Bailey from the Fortress of Bailey-tude podcast group uh, had to say about it. Uh, Take it away,
6: Michael. So, the writing of Amazon's attack. You know, I think it's important when you're judging any older comic, especially comics that were published over a decade uh, or more ago, that you kind of look at it in the context of the time it was written in. I'm not saying you should solely base your opinions on it, because at the end of the day, a thing is a thing. Either you liked it or you didn't. And when you start parsing historical context and what the writer might have been going through at the time and editorial influence and blah, 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 I think you're starting to get into the weeds there. And it ultimately doesn't really matter in terms of whether the thing was good or not because i think something can be extremely well written on a technical level but at the same time is just terrible because of what it might represent or what it's saying or looking at things in a present-day context When the book was written, something might have been more socially acceptable. Now, none of that applies here, because this book is a piece of But, I will say this. Will Pfeiffer, at least, tried to bring character into the writing. It's the only thing I'm going to say anything good about this entire concept. Because this is worse than Genesis, as far as being a DC event. And I know you could argue, maybe it's not a big event. Maybe because it was only six issues and it didn't cross over into a bunch of other books. uh, You know, and only had like a a few tie-ins that just maybe this thing isn't as bad as Genesis was, which had a lot more in the way of crossovers. And to that I say, at least Genesis had a point. You know, it was a terrible point. But at least it had a point. And I think... You know, we could go round and round about how awful the idea of Hippolyta turning on man's world and Cersei, you know, pulling the strings in the background and Wonder Woman having to fight her mother and the whole BS with Supergirl and Wonder Girl, you know, having to take down Air Force One, which was just another in a long list of terrible things dc comics did to supergirl during this time period but this is why it's awful is because it wasn't a story that stood on its own and i'm not saying that in like civil war led into the concept of the initiative which led into Secret Invasion, which led into the concept of Dark rain, which led into Siege. Those were things that at least had a certain logic to it. There was planning on an editorial level that was so much more professional than everything going in here, because at the very end of Amazon's Attacks... There's Granny Goodness, and this all ties into Countdown and everything else that is just awful about DC Comics from this time period. So going back to my initial point that you have to judge something in the context of what of when it was written is this was a horrible time for DC Comics. This was a horrible, horrible crossover, and I don't care how technically good the writing on this thing is, I am giving it a zero. If I have to give it a one because you won't allow a zero, that's fine. I understand it. This is your world. I'm just living in it. But I hated this story.
1: Oh, well, (laughs) that that was pretty harsh. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Michael. Uh Okay.
0: That
1: counteracts my score a bit. Um, (laughs) All right, Mike, uh, what about the art?
0: Uh, art and covers, I'm going to give it six. Uh, I think the art is fine for the most part. Um, However, uh, there are a lot of scenes in there where I just didn't find the action to be believable. I, I mean, look at the scenes. The the opening fight in part six uh, has Diana hitting Cersei with the Hilt of a Sword, and that looks bizarre. And then the fight between Diana and her mother just looks dull. Uh, And it's like, if this story is all about fighting, that fighting sure looked unexciting. So I think, you know what? But for the most part, it's okay. It's just, oh, just... It didn't wow me at all, really. So I'm giving it six. How about you, Paul?
1: Um, I went one more than you. I went seven. I mean, I quite like Pete Wood's art. I think he does a pretty good job with anatomy and faces and stuff. And he has a lot of architecture and, you know, armies to draw. And I think that's challenging. Um, I really like the covers of this. Um, I think the all the covers of the individual issues look really good. But there yeah. is, I mean, it's not his best work. There's some sort of flatness to his,
0: his work. It just looks very yes.
1: sparse and um, a bit diagrammatic rather than... Um,
0: uh, yeah, I think the scenes where people are standing around talking, he does them really well. I think it's the action scenes he doesn't do very well.
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to give it a... Seven, I think for mm-hmm. the art but um, and now we have Siskoid from the F- Fire and Water podcast, uh, a hot new or not and um, give me those Star Treks
7: um, he's going to give us his thoughts on the art and it's
1: probably more wise than us
7: Hi fellow sufferers of DCOCD this is Siskoid here to talk about the art of Amazon's attack and the reason I chose that particular facet to score is that it meant I didn't actually have to read the story And it's true. I barely did. The main series was drawn and inked by Pete Woods, who I did like on the Superman books uh, during the New Krypton storyline. But here's the thing. The way Woods inks himself, the art lacks shadows. He does a lot of line work, giving things and people heft and volume, sure, but he leaves the shading for the colorist. And in this case, uh, that's Brad Anderson. And that's where things go wrong. Uh, This technique often chokes the art with colors that are too dark to simulate shadows or low-light levels, where full black inks would be more dramatic. I look at, at this and either it's a whole lot of dusty earth tones or the bright colors of superhero uniforms fail to pop from the line work. It hurts my eyes, really. Not to say Anderson doesn't do some interesting things with lighting. You've got some power effects tend to glow and cast the appropriate colors on people's faces and such. But the attempt at photoreal lighting can be oppressive in nighttime scenes, and there are a lot of them. And the blood effects on the clothing? Well, I can practically see the Photoshop tool's shape in them. Uh, When I look at the work of Terry and Rachel Dodson, or Paco Diaz, uh, who did some of the Wonder Woman issues involved in this event... I find a fairly similar art style, but it lets the inking do some work. The result, everything's brighter, more defined, and more impactful. Now, the best part of the event series' art, I have to say, is the covers. The Grecian logo is cool, and every cover is built using some classical composition. Either it's rather symmetrical, or it's showing lateral movement, like uh, on a Grecian urn. Thou still-unravished bride of quietness, Thou foster-child of silence and slow time, Sylvan historian, Who canst thus express a flowery tale More sweetly than our rhyme, What leaf-ringed legend haunts About thy shape, Of deities or mortals or of both, In Tempe or the dales of Arcady. What men or gods are these, What maidens loth, What mad pursuit, What struggle to escape, What pipes and timbrels, What wild ecstasy, I'm sorry, I... I also have an entirely different type of OCD I struggle with. Uh, sorry about that. Where was I? Oh, yes. Cool cover designs. The one where Air Force One crashes as Amazon's on Pegasi escorted down is probably my favorite. Um, guess what? It's also the brightest because, yes, the covers have the same coloring problem. Final order of business is whether I give the art bonus points for the work in the monthly series it intersects. I almost want to, because Wonder Woman, Supergirl, and Catwoman feel of a piece with the main event, with very similar art styles at play. Only Teen Titans tie-ins look very different. Unfortunately, while I praise the coloring in Wonder Woman, Supergirl suffers from the dark coloring-replacing-proper-inks problem, while Catwoman uses a lot of deep inks, but adds super dark coloring on top of it. Also, no points for trade dress. The covers are just business as usual, and the Amazon's Attack logo shifts places on the cover... If it's even there, you'd think it at least would show up on the Wonder Woman covers. Maddening and disappointing, so no bonus, no, no. Out of ten, I am forced to give the art a six. Serviceable, but unspectacular, and it's not totally at Pete Wood's feet, though he does invite it with his style. All right, I pass the baton over to the next reviewers. May Athena have mercy on their souls.
2: Ah
1: okay all right thanks for that Cisco lots of insight into, in,
7: into the colouring oh,
1: part of the problem okay. there okay um now down to impact and legacy so my feelings on the impact and legacy is um yeah it really falls flat but we get a good, <laughs> we get the bees meme out of it so that, uh... <laughs> oh thank goodness we
0: got something <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah so i think it's a i think it's a three i mean there's something that lasted it wasn't what anyone intended and it's you know it's none of it really deserves to last it's but there's this quirky bit about uh bees and batman which um you know carries on it's so strange i really don't understand how it came to be whether who came up with the bees idea and went yes (laughs) that's the secret weapon yeah but for that reason i'm giving it a three what what about you mike
0: you are far more generous than I am, Paul. I've given this a one. Ooh. Uh half a point each for Impact and Legacy in the context that neither is looked upon fondly. It's just I, I don't think I've come across anything online where anyone is truly excited by this story or by what happened in this story. Um it it's more it it just happened and it happened badly. And I, I can't I, – I've not been able to find any favourable nostalgia about this story at all. Mm. So um, – I and for me, yes, it's not the first time I've read it, and it angered me again having to read it <laughs> a second time in recent history. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a one because it's so – it's just not good. Ah, okay.
1: Um, and – Well, we've got one more uh, team to bring this all home, so we're going to listen to John and Maggie from the Married with Comics podcast and the Rod Pod and things like that. So uh, let's hear from them now.
4: Two months ago. Hey, Maggie. What's up, John? Paul was asking for people to help him out with one of his upcoming DCOCD semis.
3: Nah, nah, nah. Paul gets a pass because he's Australian, but please don't pronounce it that way. Sorry, semi. That just sounds like you're talking about Optimus Prime's alt mode. Anyway, what event are we gonna cover and what are the categories again?
4: It's only one category for us this time uh, Legacy. And the event is. Um,
3: you weren't paying attention, were you?
4: Not as such, no. Hang on, I'll find out. Just click over here and scroll up to here, and it's right.
3: Oh no. Are you alright? You look like you've eaten some bad shrimp.
4: Worse. Look.
3: Amazon's attack? Why do you volunteer us for these things, John? I know. I
4: have a problem. Well, look, it's, it's not due for two months. We don't have to start right away.
2: One month later.
4: Hey, we should probably get around to writing that thing up for Paul about Amazon's attack.
3: Mumble, mumble, grumble, gripe. Okay, fine. Well, go ahead.
4: What do you mean, well, go ahead?
3: I haven't read it. I figure all you have to do is say, Legacy, give it a number, and hey, presto.
4: I haven't read it either.
3: What, you mean we have to read this thing? Fine. Gimme. Can't possibly be as bad as everyone says.
6: 30 seconds later.
3: What am I actually reading right now? It's like an AI was fed MRA propaganda and then was told to go write a comic book. You read it.
4: Okay, fine. One hour later. Bees! Bees! Bees? Batman is going on about a bee weapon and it's too stupid for words. My brain actually hurts now.
3: Bees, my god.
4: Five minutes ago. Hi, we're John and Maggie from Married with Comics and also the Rod Pod.
3: We're here to talk about the legacy of Amazon's attack. It gets a damn
4: four for legacy. And all four of those points are because of the fact that the bees my god thing has since become an internet meme. Thankfully, everything else that happened in this book was very quickly forgotten and never really ever talked about again. Good.
3: And I swear to God, John, if you ever agree to something like this again, I...
1: Okay, so yeah no real big scores for this one anyway that gives us all the scores now so uh mike you, if we add all your scores together you gave it a whopping 13 out of 40
0: uh, mm. hmm. i do feel bad about it but it's so bad, <laughs> so
1: bad. <laughs> yeah i gave it uh 20 out of 40 so uh, wow a bit more generous Very much more, And if we go from all the scores from all the kind contributors, the people who suffered along with us, they gave it 7 out of uh, possible 20. So we add all those together, and that gives us a score of 40. 40? Wow. Wow, okay.
0: Wow, okay.
1: So that puts it at the stinky end of the table, uh, right there, just (laughs) below Joker's Last Laugh, and above War Games, Mm. which is probably fitting, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, if anyone really wants to read Amazon as heck hack, uh, Mike and I will probably be selling our copies soon, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and if you do want to read it, make sure you read every single crossover issue, otherwise you'll, yeah. be yeah, lost. <laughs> yes. Yes. Ah, oh, dear in me. Wow. That's, um, yeah, that's not a good score, but not a good event either.
2: No.
1: No, I I must admit, I'm not bored by it. Like, it's a quick read, and, yeah, it's stupid. Um, (laughs) But it's not boring. Uh, Yeah, well, yeah. Sure, Yeah. (laughs) Now, if you want to go see the the table and see where this landed, you can go over to WaitingForDoom.com. We have the table there. You can see it in rank order, so what's the score order, or you can just see it in episode order if you don't want to have, really have it spoiled to you and want to see it laid out like that. We will have it up shortly after this episode goes up. Um, but now let's have a look at the feedback that we've received in the last little while. So... Right, so we have a comment from Martin Gray on the Salvation Run episode, and he said, Fun episode as ever. Sean is a great guest, very reasonable. I don't remember much about this other than it was underwhelming. The title makes it sound as if it's about underdogs going to the Olympics. <laughs> and did Frank say Garth Anus? I expect <laughs> so. <laughs> He says, why does no one believe that Willingham was not really not well? If you know something concrete, say it. Otherwise, give the person the benefit of the doubt. People get ill. (laughs) (laughs) I think we just can't (laughs) imagine anyone wanting to do this book and then, you know, having a legitimate reason not to. Anyway. (laughs) Yes. Frank does pride himself on saying names slightly differently to everyone else, I've noticed. Mm. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, We got a comment from Tim Price. And he said, just finish reading this one, because uh, my reading list is completely controlled by the podcasts I listen to. Why <laughs> oh, Why must you do this to me? <laughs> Apologies
0: for this episode, then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't say you didn't warn me. It reads like the reality TV show Survivor, but with supervillains, so of course things get nasty. But it was just a mess. Having some core narrators would have helped, but the story itself had little of interest. Wait, does the reality TV angle make this mini a variant of The Running Man? Maybe, but that won't redeem it. The Catwoman issues were quite a bit better. Maybe having a single narrator would have helped the main mini after all. Great job, Paul. And as for Sean, suck it.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, Tim and Sean are having a war over the comic yeah. leaving.
0: getting feisty (laughs) Uh, we also got uh, a comment uh, still on Salvation Run from Jimmy McGlinchey and Jimmy wrote uh, hi Paul, Mike and Sean another great podcast on what was ultimately a very poor event as mentioned in the podcast it sounded great on paper but the execution was extremely poor Sean is correct in his analysis that the Joker should not have been one of the faction leaders in such an event he would have been best served as sniping from the shadows unfortunately the marketing appeal of Joker Luther overwhelmed the situation. The main problem with this series was the lack of impact. Nothing really came out of this, and in effect, the Martian Manhunter was left stranded on the planet and was only brought back to his death in Final Crisis by a cameo in Justice League of America 21, where Libra conjured a boom tube. Frank, in his review, bemoaned the fact that the heroes were not aware of this, other than Batman, in the storyline. This was addressed in McDuffie's Justice League of America in issues 17 to 19, where Amanda Waller, who had shown up a few issues early with the Suicide Squad to take the Injustice League, including Luther, Joker and Cheetah, off the JLA hands, actually debriefed the League on uh, the plans to take the villains off-planet. When a bunch of villains, including the Key and Polaris, demanded sanctuary from the League from Waller's forced planet extradition, the League discovered where Waller had sent the villains and undertook a rescue mission to extract John from the planet. However, they were captured on the planet by Kanja Ro, who revealed he'd been waiting on the planet to enslave the criminals, but another teleporter beam, probably Desarge, had diverted the criminals to where they ended up in Salvation Run. Good grief! <laughs> One last note. It said in the Wikipedia page that General Immortus had died in Salvation Run 7. I had a quick look, and there is a figure that looks like a Mortars on the ground in a page or two. Very rough event for June Patrol villains. Mortars did return, though, in another poor mini-series, Final Crisis Aftermath Run. Oh. Fun show, as always, and look forward to the next one. Thank you, Jimmy. Wow, that was thorough.
1: Yeah, I dropped the ball on some of that stuff. I completely missed those Justice League tie-in issues.
2: But oh. I must
1: say, Salvation Run is one of those series that has a real lack of information out there. It's really hard to find things about it. Online, mm. it's like no one wants mm. to talk about it except uh, us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And we got a comment from someone called Alan Pawley, who we haven't heard from before. Hi, Alan. Um, And he said, great episode. Not that anyone is surprised by that. Um, Not sure of the veracity, but I remember it being mentioned somewhere by someone off to a great start, that George R.R. Martin of Game of Thrones fame actually conceived the idea for this. I think I heard that. Yeah, Salvation Run was a George R.R. Martin idea.
2: Wow. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Whatever happened to that guy? Um, anyway, agreed that the Catwoman issues really stood out, although I remember the main mini being pretty good. Honesty time. I also enjoyed Countdown, reading both as a teenager. Ooh. Um, <laughs> I hope when you get to Final Crisis you love it as much as I do. I really love what Morrison did with all the room, admittedly perhaps too much, DC gave him. Hmm. Well, we'll find out what we think of Final Crisis soon. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And our uh, final piece of mail in the mailbag this episode comes from Sphinx Magoo, uh, who commented on episode 31 about Countdown to Final Crisis, and uh, Sphinx wrote, Hey, I know Countdown Arena got a bad rap, but it did get points in my book for establishing Monarch as the villain I'd wanted him to be. Sure, the miniseries itself was a hot mess of quick fights and felt like the first half of Crisis on Infinite Earths when the Monitor sent out teams of heroes and villains to counter the Anti-Monitor. Okay, I guess that does make for a dull comic, but at least we got some cool Scott McDaniel artwork out of it. Not only that, but this series formed the basis for DC's only MOBA-style video game, Infinite Crisis. Sure, the game closed down mysteriously after only being available for five months. What the heck, DC? But it features some neat alternate Earth character designs. A nice wiki, and it can be found at infinitecrisis.fandom.com wiki slash Infinite wiki. That's a little bit of legacy, isn't it? I guess so.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. I'm not much of a video game player, so yeah. No,
0: nor am I. But that's that's good to know that, yeah, it had some extra bit of legacy out there.
1: That's cool. (laughs) Hmm. thanks 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 everyone for all those comments they're all left on the waiting dot website which you should all check out if you want to leave a comment and stuff and uh coming up shortly there'll be a very good reason to leave comments just a little hint for what's coming up
0: in waiting for doom soon so
1: mm. hmm. and speaking of which what are we up to next time mike
0: uh, next time on the feed, we will be back with more Waiting for Doom, continuing on with our look at Volume 5 from Keith Giffen and Matthew Clark, And then after that, we will be back with another DCOCD where we will be looking at Final Crisis.
1: Ooh, fantastic. Uh, mm. Anyway, thanks, everyone. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Yeah, and once again, leave comments at waitingfordoom.com or you can send us emails at dcocdcast at gmail.com and you can get in touch on Twitter at dcocdcast. All right, thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you next time in the next event. Bye!
2: (laughs)